In this recording for the game edition of Design Talk, Ruth and I talk about the Game Design Pipeline, also known as the Game Production Pipeline or the Game Development Pipeline. Ruth, um, tell us about the Game Design Pipeline. We hear about pipelines and processes, but what, what is the Game Design and Development Pipeline? Um, yeah, so the, the Game Design Pipeline, I suppose, was designed itself to to get a team from the start, the, the concept phase, to the end phase of having a game produced. In AAA production, you a team would use the Agile methodology or sometimes Waterfall, but usually Agile um, methodology. So they, they'd sort of start by, uh, well, obviously the concept stays, starts first. You you need to estimate the, the scope of the, the game, so how long the project's going to take, how many team members will will you need and what area you know what areas of of expertise will you need and if you if you have a team what's their availability and um, will they be able to kind of fulfill the the scope so so it's a bit like in software engineering we talk about the software development life cycle it's a like it's a life cycle for games is it i think of a life cycle as something that has a beginning middle and end but also yeah, continuity sure. something that sort yeah. of goes on yeah, so I suppose the middle of it is the, the iterative part. Things tend to not go as planned, and uh, there tends to be a lot of you know a lot of iteration in the process and in in the scope as well can happen in the you know throughout the project. Really, yeah, you'd use like Gantt chart to sort out when things need to happen and consider the interdependencies between different expertise. Um, animators might not need to be might not be needed until a certain stage until riggers and artists and designers have finished. Yeah, so the, the the kind of game concept person, the person who has the idea of the game, the design itself, or the group of people, they're the centre, but they might not necessarily be all the sort of um, foot soldiers you need in the project, right? Yeah. I've, I've heard it said that game design and development is the sort of last holdout uh, of uh, waterfall development in, in, in the software industry. They're... Mm. They're kind of locked into uh, quite a linear development life cycle. I suppose things have to get to a certain stage before it's testable. So maybe that's why it has to be linear, that uh, things have to work a certain way to, to make a testable version of a game and to be able to iterate. Right. The idea that um, it's seen as a kind of a negative thing that uh, game design itself has this big upfront um, period of of thinking about a design and and uh, and then it moves into if it's funded to the development and the implementation according to that original specification, then that goes into test and then release and once it's released it's done in a sense. So it's mm. your classic waterfall and within that for sure there's necessary iterations and change and pivoting and but uh, it does strike from the outside that it it's quite phased like it's like a phase is that a fair point or, or and, yeah, and with specialisms it definitely goes in phases something interesting from just from what you're saying there is that a thing you do tend to see a lot now and that's i suppose kind of frowned upon but put up with is a there's a new ethos i think of games being developed when they're in beta stage and the play testers are the the online community who play them and complain about what's wrong with it that's becoming a massive thing now where games will be 
sold at a slightly lower price point than what they would, you know, what they'd be considered would be normal for that kind of game. But the catch is that it's, oh, it's still in beta or it's pre-release. You're hinting at a really big shift in game development and game deployment, let's say, or, or the game market, I think. And that is this shift to, well, away from um, AAA publishers. Is that a big shift? Is that is that a real thing? Or is that just talk about indie uh, games as, as a growing movement? No, it's massive. Like indie games are published on consoles. You know, anyone can release them on PC as well. Um, basically, if your game is good enough and you can get an audience like the guy who did uh, Farmville. What's it called? Farmville. Um, oh, Star, Va- Star Valley. Yeah, Stardew Valley, yeah. Um, he made that completely by himself, and it's a massive hit. He made millions overnight kind of thing. Now, that's not everyone's story, but uh, certainly indie games, if you think you've got a good idea, there's nothing stopping you from making it completely yourself and releasing it. So there's been a lot of success, like um, Night in the Woods as well as another one I was following a few years ago. You know, they were able, they they did the opposite thing to, you know, people releasing pre before the game was finished. They, they had to tell their audience a few times, their Kickstarter backer audience would, already paid for it look we're really sorry but we're going to have to delay the release of this game and everyone just because they had an audience that everyone was okay with it and when they released it everyone's really happy and they seem to be really well received as a company in general um, yeah but but that that's so how did they get the audience in the first case they, they just had an appealing game they just had a great idea and it, it was something that hadn't really been done before it was it was something that had been done before, but with a fresh hook kind of to it. That was just really, really well crafted. They had a really, really good writer and a really good art style. And um, you can kind of tell when you're playing the game that the programming side mightn't have been as strong, or maybe the game design side itself mightn't have been as strong. It's very narrative driven, but, but it was very successful. And yeah, it's just a good example. Another an example of an Irish company, Spooky Doorway as well. Like they're they got their kickstarted for their first game and they've been releasing games on console since then as well. So this this development and release uh, um, dynamic that's come in, crept into the game industry has completely upended the uh, AAA publishing model. Um, so you have small teams with really low cost base uh, releasing stuff, perhaps not really, even, probably eking out a living, if I might say, before they get successful. Is that that's That's what's happening, isn't it? Yeah, people are definitely very passionate about it. They're willing to, I mean, you see some people even saying in GDC talks, saying, oh, I quit my job to do this and it's lucky it worked out kind of thing. Yeah, that um, seems to be a common uh, a common feature where people are doing it for more than just financial gain. Yeah, people, I think a lot of, a lot of game developers feel like they have a really good idea, like they have one idea that they they want to play. So they feel like hey, people need to know about this. I can, I know I can make this game that that uh, will be good because I know I want to play it. Yeah, there's a, a view in um, programming uh, that a lot of software is developed by developers for themselves, uh, mm-hmm. but when they go to market, they often find that really they're so idi- their needs were so idi- idiosyncratic that there isn't a market for it or the usability isn't what's uh, isn't isn't adequate to the market even though the the thing that they've done is useful the so you have have AAA doing really what was essentially a waterfall style um, requirements analysis design develop test release linear development life cycle with the incredible crunch points in their the sweatshop kind of environments uh, when it 
when milestones are approaching. So this is really classic old style evil software development uh, uh, environment. And then in parallel, you've got this sort of uh, highly feedback driven indie game movement that's iterative, really deeply iterative and possibly not even cash generating deeply until sort of really late in the life cycle. It's complete contrast in my head, uh, the way I see that. In spite of the kind of competitive dynamic coming out of these low-cost development teams producing passion projects, uh, the AAA business seems to still be doing well. That's the thing. I mean, it takes a lot of people to make a AAA game, so and it takes a lot of expertise. I'm just I played Spider-Man and Horizon Zero Dawn and stuff in the last year, and just the level of design and the level of work that goes into them is just incredible. So. Yeah, it's great to play little little indie games or big indie games. They're usually smaller smaller games with a really good mechanic or some really good hook that, that's you know appealing. Yeah, especially with next gen consoles and stuff. Only a, a AAA team could really take advantage of the full potential of uh, modern graphics and. Yeah, I, I feel uh, a little for the indie developers when um, they produce a success and their their lunch is eaten by a big publisher. But I, I'll give you a, 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 a local example that I, you probably people know about, and that would be Player Unknown's Battlefield PUBG. And Brendan Green, he's from Kilkenny, I think, um, yeah. down that way. He seemed to have gotten great success with PUBG as a battle royale type game with low, you know, not not high high production values, mm. and he got huge a huge um, uh, following and, and, uh, and then along comes Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Fortnite had a really interesting development story as well. They initially had the whole thing, a whole uh, vertical slice made where it was a, a zombie survival game, like kind of like left for dead. And uh, then they saw the su- success of PUBG and they decided, Oh, we'll just go for a battle royale game. And it just, they hit the spot. They just, the art style and everything was so different to PUBG. They just hit the spot. It's so, just a total yeah. 180, though. It's just totally un, you know, an unprecedented change in their design altogether. But a big organization, uh, small ones too. Uh, it, it's interesting that a big organization can pivot like that into a, com, you know, really a different genre, completely different genre, a different market, you'd say. Um, and that, of course, that space has become a lot more uh, contested. Battle Royale is, is, is now a mainstream genre itself. We hope you enjoyed this game chat. Please do subscribe and listen to more episodes.